hey, there were at the time when people might be buying books for school and things like that. Uh, and if you are going to be doing that, consider going to duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. There you can find uh, some Amazon affiliate links that we have. Uh, people who buy things from that link, uh, they go to the same Amazon they normally go to, and a small cut of the proceeds from whatever you buy goes toward the network. Uh, this is a great, uh, no extra cost way to help us out, and we appreciate the people who take the extra step. Once again, that is duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. Thank you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro games podcast extra sode and also general games and a club. Yes, <laughs> general games and club. Yep, and this is the last of the extra sodes under the normal model for Watch Out for Fireballs. Yeah, you're going to miss them, baby. Uh, I mean, the there will be really similar stuff. <laughs> yeah, you will, you will not miss them. They'll just be more substantial. Yes. And stuff. Even though it's weird saying that because this is incredibly substantial. Yeah, because, because we're reading your responses to Metal Gear Solid 2 and you guys came out in force. Yeah, our last hurrah was about one of the most popular games ever uh, that a yeah. lot of people have opinions about. <laughs> Yep. Uh, good and smart opinions because we're gonna we're gonna see them um yeah. and, and same, same thing with final fantasy 4 too like i'm sure people have a lot of opinions about that absolutely as well yeah so um and i'm gonna start us here with roop who was written in via contact to say i came to metal uh, i came to the metal gear solid series late and i finished all the games this last year my introduction to the series was metal gear rising revengeance so i got to know raiden first as i was playing metal gear solid i was just waiting to get to metal gear solid 2 so that i could play with raiden <laughs> Overall, I liked MGS2. Uh, it improved on the first uh, the first game, uh, and it really gave a timeless story, which is relevant still today. Uh, the twist of the story was great, and I don't know uh, what it was. Uh, the game just seemed so odd, so I went with it. Yeah. yeah it's an interesting play order to go in. Yeah. Because I think Revengeance... Um... I don't. I mean, I don't know how it would work in the opposite order, but I think Revengeance kind of cashes in on Raiden's reputation. Yes, like messes with that makes him more capable and cool and kind of badass in a way that like hits harder when you think of him yeah. in his kind of milk toast MGS two <laughs> form. Right. Uh, Metal Gear. Uh, so Revengeance actually catches in on four, where which also cashed in on two. So four made him this awesome cyborg ninja uh, that uh, was incredibly capable in comparison to Old Snake. Uh, hmm. And it was kind of a, you know, Kojima fuck you, uh, which was, hey, you can't actually play as him, uh, except now when Platinum develops this, uh, of course you can play as him. Yeah, because yeah. Platinum is great. I love Platinum. Um, yeah. Uh, and Revengeance is very cool. I need to beat that at some point. Me too. Um, but it, since it's moved on to the like that we're talking about doing it, it's like I need to decide if I want to beat it and then beat it again like a year later. You know, so I, <laughs> right. I, it's whether I want to come back to it or not. That's yeah, a short game. Um, it is a short game. Um, but extremely cool. Um, Alex says by contact. Metal Gear Solid 2 is a game that I adored when I was younger. The awkward controls and overindulgent cutscenes slash codec calls make it something that I hesitate to revisit in 2017, though. I feel that adult me would take much less kindly to it, especially when some later games in the series do a much better job at storytelling and are more fun to play. The plot is kind of a mess, and the meta sequences involving the AIs at the end just make me roll my eyes. Still, I will always remember it fondly as something that younger me found deep and thought-provoking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mostly I, the AI stuff actually works for me, but for the most part, I think it's very hard to recommend going back to, but yeah. we, we covered that. It's something that functions um, well at its time. Um, and it might be one of those things where like maybe the golden age for Metal Gear Solid 2 is 14. Who knows? Yeah. My appetite has definitely changed and 
a lot of my enjoyment is via proxy, remembering where I was at when I was fine being interrupted by codec conversations every step. Yeah. Yeah. And so, 100%. And like something to think about, we didn't really talk about this in the episode and I don't want to do a whole full tangent on it, but like you played this when you were 14, I played this when I was 21, mm-hmm. you know, or, or 20 or something like that. So like, even if this was still pretty new and noteworthy for games, mm-hmm. Um, I had played like a lot of things that did some of the, not the same kind of twist, but fourth wall breaking right, stuff, right. I and mean, been like, exposed to a lot more media that did things like that. So it probably had yeah. a little bit less of an impact even then. Had you played system shock two? No, oh, that would okay. have been a, a real good one for, for this, but I had played, uh, so some of the ideas at that time I had played deus ex. So the kind of, uh, the AI parsing and controlling our information mm-hmm. thing was not a new idea. Um, and then I played, um, things like monkey Island and stuff where they, the characters talk to the, camera and talk talk to the player and things oh yeah so, and like the end of yeah, monkey island 2 is like the you know yes. we, we call we called mel gear solid 2 the original but like that is crazy meta yeah that's an awesome crazy so i'd done some things that had done some of the stuff so it probably even had a little bit less of an impact then mm-hmm. for me just based on uh, experience and age yeah. you know and i'm not trying to like that's not me pulling age rank on you no like, no i mean jokes like that's... Be on you my body's falling apart and i'm gonna die sooner than well, you so. and, 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 <laughs> yeah. you know and i'll and i'll be there soon no i mean like yeah. that, that, that that's <laughs> That's a feature of the show. It's not anything for like either of us to dunk on like our yeah. seven year age difference, like not that huge in the grand scheme of things, but for video game media, like it is, it is pretty big and it gives us like this binocular vision on these things that came out at a fixed point in time. Right. Yeah. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Mike writes in via contact saying, uh, this was the game that I bought my PS2 for and I played the hell out of it. Most games are one and done, but I beat Metal Gear Solid 2 on every difficulty level and got all of the dog tags. That's a system that we didn't really talk about. We should mention it here. Uh, yeah. Removed from its story, I think that it works best as a showcase uh, for the mechanics and interactive environments uh, for the time. Shooting bo- uh, shooting the bottles, uh, leaving wet footprints, etc. As for the story and characters and etc., uh, I get what Kojima was uh, trying to do and appreciate uh, that he was shooting for the sun, but man... Does that guy not know how to tell a story? I'd kind of like to see him and David Cage work together just to see how much of a dumpster fire it would be. I mean, amazing. <laughs> I, I don't like it's It's funny because you could take there's a reductive read of any Metal Gear game uh-huh. that sounds as bad as a David Cage game. Oh, yeah. Like it is reductive. You know, that's the key word there. Yeah. But like if you're explaining these games to somebody who doesn't know video games, uh-huh. they wouldn't be able to see that big of a difference between them. No, no. Like if you explain an Indigo Prophecy and Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, yeah like, wait so the internet's alive in both of them that's weird yeah yeah but oh but you have uh but she he had sex with his, his stepmom oh but you have sex with a corpse like oh but like incest no, you is have a major sex emotional as a corpse corpse? yeah you have sex as a corpse oh but incest is like actually good like all of the things would seem questionable right you know um but yeah yeah we should um and then the other thing too about the the showcase for mechanics i agree with you but i wish that that didn't drop off Oh, me too. Um, yeah. it, it's way present in the tanker, less present in the shell, and then not present at all for the last third of the game. Yeah, like the, uh, the, 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 the tanker stuff, you know, the stuff that was present in the demo, like that's really capitalizing on the primacy of first impressions. Right? Yes. Like people have such a strong opinion of that that like carries through and gives credit to the rest of the game where that is just not present. Yeah. Um, the dog cat tags are kind of a completionist kind of subsystem that we didn't really talk about where you can hold up soldiers um, for their dog tags. And it kind of becomes this little meta puzzle um, thing where you have to find like the right situation, the right circumstances in which you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, usually you do it by aiming at their dick or aiming at their head um, and they will shake. They'll do a little shimmy yep. and uh, their dog tag will fall out. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. or it's about like making the right guard appear at the right place at the right time. Yes, yeah. to uh, kind of collect them all. And I think that that is that where the uh, the ultra powered items are tied to in this game. Like I think you want so. to do a game plus with a stealth suit or whatever. Honestly, man, I never engaged with this system. I would totally believe it. But yeah, I don't. I don't like for me like the the actual mechanics are not good enough to make me want to do that. I don't do that kind of thing anyway, though. Mm. Uh, in general, yeah, so I, yeah. I don't speak to it. That's not a good reason for us to have forgotten to cover it. Like no, we just forgot no. because we don't. But yeah, I understand that's a thing that people like and that people are into. Yeah, it's a blind spot that we both share. So therefore, the show has it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, Chris says by contact. <clears throat> The game blew my 12-year-old mind away when it came out. I remember buying Zone of the Enders just to play the demo, and I still haven't played Zone of the Enders. And when my birthday came around that year, I spent the entire day playing the Tinker chapter. I was young enough to be amazed by the game's highbrow concepts and had enough kid time on my hands not to care about a 45-minute cutscene. <laughs> the thing that floored me the most, though, was it the first-person shooting? No. Was it the tactical espionage, ac- espionage action? No. It was the fact that when the characters talked on the screen, their mouths moved. I must have sounded like a raving lunatic to my mom when I brought this epiphany <laughs> to her. Uh, this game is special to me and one of the starkest memories I have of a game highlighting the improvement of a new console generation. Uh, you guys rock. Please bring back the R-Zone zone. I normally, well, I normally cut out praise, but guess what? You're in luck. <laughs> You're in luck, buddy. The R-Zone zone is back. <laughs> yep. Uh, limited time engagement until we retire for the uh, game.com rads. Um, right. Uh, and you should know better because you wrote this after we released that episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, the, the codex do look like it does look cool. And this is, yeah. this is a huge, uh, you know, generational shift. Yes. You know, and we, we talked about how as console generations get more subtle or, or more current and time kind of catches up, those generational gaps get more subtle. Yes. Like, honestly, the next one that's at this level is VR. Pretty much, you mm-hmm. know, but if you sit down and you play The Last of Us and The Last of Us Remastered, like they look different, mm-hmm. but not as different as Metal Gears 1 and 2 do. Yes. You know, not. Yeah. So it is. Uh, this was back when a console difference was huge, like a yeah, huge yeah. change. Yeah, I think I think last ep- or in the first episode, I said that Metal Gear Solid 2 um, probably rivaled the DVD for how many PS2s it sold. Yeah. 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 And it I believe is- it because it was, you know, even if like, I mean, we just did like SSX Tricky, like I like. That was I had more fun with that game, but it's not as technically impressive. And you know, right. Seven SSX, which was earlier, yeah, you know, um, but like it was, it's not as impressive. And this is very impressive yeah. for sure. Yep. But yeah, go check out the Return to the R Zone Zone on the Aptic yes. Suffering feed, uh, just because uh, it costs money to start a new show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had to drudge them shits up. <laughs> uh, no matter how much help we got from James Cameron. Um, yes. Uh, so Matt writes via contact saying the meat of sons of Liberty is good. However, too many plot points are fat. Uh, sorry, too many plot points of fat, uh, are needed to be trimmed off of this bad boy to call it a good entry in the series. The biggest, uh, the biggest dangling piece of fat is the Emmerich family fun time story arc. Uh, did you guys cash this emotional check? The story of how sleeping with a stepmom while Emma was drowning in the kiddie pool was really dumped on us. Also, Everything is way too coincidental in how it is connected to the macro plot. The payoff for it all was a crappy water section and having to see how flail to the ground and cry for the 3000th time. Um, I do love how much of an asshole the parrot was by saying, I miss you over and over again. <laughs> you know, she really loved you, Hal. <laughs> Hal, she really loved you. She's very, she was very sad before she died. What could be as a woman, Hal? <laughs> fuck me hell like you did my mom <laughs> i love how our both of our parrot voices are like old-timey like yeah. like 
Burma shave. How <laughs> how get a shave? That's like, shave mommy's legs. Ooh, uh, I can't get to that spot, Hal. Uh, zip mommy up. Um. <laughs> Mother boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt continues uh, to, to conclude I hate Hal and this was the game that really led me to that conclusion hopefully wading through masochist vampires and escape from New York nods you guys got around to throwing a little of shade at old Hal yeah I, I don't hate Hal but this damages him a lot yeah it's uh, it's not a good look on him it's Hal's worst, worst moment I think yeah um, you know, unless there's something like I don't remember from four like no, no, you know, he's just got like the this... wedding of diarrhea and, uh, <laughs> and Meryl, like he breaks down crying and talks about how he had sex with Meryl's grandmother or something like that. Like <laughs> <laughs> the wedding of diarrhea and Meryl <laughs> more or less. I mean, that's, that's all that character deserves. Like <laughs> right. they have one trait. What do you mean? Johnny Sasaki? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Akiba, come on, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, so Atakan's whole arc in four, he's he's more involved in the story in general. Uh, but uh, his like emotional linchpin in that is his uh, his unrequited and heretofore unmentioned love for Naomi. Oh, okay, <laughs> great. Yeah, like it would be awesome if he like defined himself at any given point and wasn't just defined <laughs> by, like romantic you know never was is right like, it, right thing but it pushes credibility when it just keeps happening right right it's uh it's, yeah. it's a little like he keeps uh stepping on the same rake yeah yeah it's very similar to that but yeah we we i think uh we we spend enough time talking about that not so much just in terms of hell but i think it is a bad that emotional check did not cash for us no but, no no i i still like i still like Otacon a lot yeah but it, this is not his finest moment. We can all agree. Yeah. Um, Sam says via contact. It's been a couple of years since I played Metal Gear Solid 2, but I have purchased it at least three times, played it to completion more times than any other mainline Metal Gear game, and watched at least two or three separate Let's Plays of it. The clearly rushed development of the second half of the game inadvertently made it the most compact Metal Gear, which meant that it was always great for when I just wanted a little Metal Gear, but without the time commitment of three, four, or five. Also, I find being baffled and confused by video game writing delightful. Also, fuck the haters. Watching Raiden's growth through this game into Metal Gear 4 and Rising Revengeance has been very satisfying. I would elaborate, but I'm hoping I'm not being uh, presumptuous by guesting on those wafts uh, that you will get to eventually. Yeah. I was about, uh, I'm not being presumptuous by guessing that Waff will get to those eventually. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I that. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, for 4, I mean, 4, that's, that's a real... No, no, that's yeah, uh, and, that would and, be a lot to ask of me. And like, you guys don't want that. I'm just going to be like, no, no, 90 minutes is too much. And I, I can't. That's like an unforgivable curse to me. Mm -hmm. um, Revengeance, yeah. I think, you know, to toss you a bone, Revengeance, almost certainly. Yes. Like at some point, five, almost certainly at some point. Yeah, Three, we, you know, maybe, you know, 50, 50 odds. But like, th you know, those other ones, probably. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. And we talked about that a lot last episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's weird to think of this as the most compact one because the back half is very compact in terms of play. Like, I wonder if there's a draft of this where you actually did those other struts mm. on Big Shell. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel compact to me. No. Um, one still feels pretty compact, even though there's like padding in one. But like, I remember even in the episode we did complaining about the backtracking and padding, and it feels like nothing mm -hmm. compared to this one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like one still feels like a lot of bone and muscle. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's, it's just an action game. Like it's conspiracy, vaguely conspiracy themed action game. Like mm -hmm. one is is definitely the most compact experience, I think. Yeah, 
you know, um, and I'm not trying to discount like it also no. lacks a lot of that bonkersness, though. So if you want a, you know, two is a shorter game than three, three, mm-hmm. four or five. Yeah. So if you want that bonkersness, you know, and you want a shorter game, this is your choice. Yeah. So I, I definitely see that. I'm really distracted because on my on my in my corner up here, I'm seeing Doctor Static uh, keep on like starting and stop and, and stopping playing uh, the Shadowgate uh, Mac Venture version on Steam. He's going back and forth between that and Deus Ex. Yeah, and Darksiders. Like I don't know what he's doing. Hey Brian, uh, can you stop yeah. distracting me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's doing that all last night too. Yeah, um, I, was, I was playing Prey and, and he was doing that. Speaking of which, I'm sure you already know this, but uh, just to, to throw this on your fire, fire, uh, fire, boy, throw this on your fire. Prey is 100% a survival horror game. Oh, great. Yeah. Like, no, uh, uh, it the... is, I had no idea. I was just like, oh, it's going to be just like a vent crawler. Mm-hmm. D- it, it is a horror game. Awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, like, it's a, it, yeah, it's, a, it's very much like a, like a system, system shock two kind of thing too. Like it's following the yeah. line. Yeah. It, no. But it, it is, yeah, it's it's doing it for me in a way that is uh, criminal. Yep, I've like got it's it. Criminally doing it for me. Yeah, no, I've I've got it. It's like it's on my, uh, it's uh, it's installed on my PS4. I just need a uh, need to be out from under some guns, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally hear that. Like, yeah. I uh, me the the time I've spent playing it was related to uh, giving myself a treat because of my back pain, back pain. Yeah, and you know, taking a break from from the after years and and other stuff I'm playing for assignment. So yeah, yeah. It was uh it was not good use of good responsible use of my time. Yeah. But uh it is, I didn't know about the horror thing. Like I, I go into things blind, I don't really watch trailers, things like that. Yeah. Um and it well, would end up being a pleasant surprise. Like Yeah, it's it's all about like anything could be a monster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's terrifying. Like yeah. it it's really, really nerve wracking. Um yeah. No, I'm yeah. I'm I'm really thirsty for it. Yeah. It is uh that uh that mimicry thing is very, very good. Yeah. And the way that expresses, I think you'll really like it. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear that you like it. I mean, people have been clamoring for us to play and cover that. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool at some point. Yeah. Like I like the idea of doing event month. Yes. At some point. <laughs> event month. Yeah, yeah. Do do uh do human revolution and pray. Yeah, human revolution and pray or uh Bioshock two and pray or oh, yeah. you know, any number of those things like well, we, we, we've got that. We've got that full uh that, that full Bioshock two yeah. full bright month oh, yeah. plan. So yeah, like doing Human Revolution and Prey would be very fun. Yeah. Um, yep. What does uh, Daniel have to say? Cool. Uh, Daniel says via contact, if you would believe it, saying Metal Gear Solid Two is often hailed as either the most brilliant game ever uh, or the most <laughs> the most up its own ass game ever. Uh, I tend to lean toward the brilliant side because Raiden and the whole scenario are just a giant meta fuck you to the fans of the series. Since I played the game for the first time in 2008, I already knew about the protagonist twist or the protagonist switch. Uh, uh, but thinking about all of those furious players back in 2001 makes me chuckle a bit and wish the Kojima from then would have been the one to make Metal Gear Solid 4 and 5. There is an argument uh, to be made that he never quite left since Raiden does almost everything cool in Metal Gear Solid 4 while Snake just coughs and is old. Uh, but it's not enough. The best part of the game, when the Colonel Campbell AI starts freaking out, uh, or starts freaking me out, both might be true, um, I almost turned off the game because it unnerved me so much. Thank you for playing this game. I hope you two loved it. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> P.S. That's, that's an overstatement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, P.S. I hear it's amazing when the famous purple-stuffed worm in Flapjaw Space with the tuning fork does a raw blank on a Harakiri rock. I need scissors 61. Yeah. It is. We didn't really talk about. We only really touched briefly on the antagonistic aspect of how mm-hmm. meta this is. The like Kojima saying "fuck you" to the fans. Yeah, I think that that um, falls under like, "hey, it was intentional, so therefore it must be good." Uh, it's, it's a little, yeah, you for sure. Like... It's a little bit of that, 
And then it's also a little bit of like, I can always, sometimes I can appreciate that, but I don't want to play it. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I like the idea of trolling, but I don't like when it, you know, derails things. I don't like when it makes things worse. Yeah. It can make, it can make a piece of artwork. And I also don't like being trolled. So like coming at this for me where I'm not really a fanboy. Yeah. You know, and I don't even I didn't have that experience when I came into it. Like I remember when I first played this, I wasn't like, man, I just love Snake. I just want to play with Snake. You know, yeah. I can't believe I can't play with Snake. I just remember thinking, oh, like it's, it's this new guy. Yeah. yeah. Huh. You know. Yeah. It doesn't. Uh, I just don't get. I, I tend not to get invested in media that way. And yeah. it's it's not a, a brag or anything. It's just how it works. It's um. It's it's kind of strange. Um. I can only speak for myself, but like appreciating something in the moment and, and appreciating it in hindsight. Uh, can sometimes be the same thing, but often they're not. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the fuck you is something like you can look back at it and say like, oh yeah, I see what they did there. Uh, but it doesn't, you know, uh, quite square that away entirely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. And like, uh, it's audacious and you know, that gets, you know, some points, but not, you know, nothing, nothing non-trivial. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, Dan says by contact. Man, talk about a formative game. I was at the right age for this puppy. Something about the super clean, design-conscious graphics of the game made it feel incredibly immersive at the time. Much like Symphony of the Night, there is a wealth of flavor added to this game that is additive and good. I remember slipping on bird shit for the first time, and the moment of disbelief and joy from something so simple sticks with me. I remember how cinematic it was, and even if the story strayed uh, into avant-garde on occasion, it was definitely fulfilling. I'm one of the few Raiden, uh, Raiden apologists out there as well, seemingly. I appreciate his flashier moveset and can tolerate his whiny personality in the same way I tolerated Titus in Final Fantasy X in order to get to the meat, uh, get the meat out of the big shell. Woof, that is a bad joke. Uh, that's him saying that, not me. <laughs> like, Dan, go to hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, thank his, you for writing him. <laughs> um, yeah, his words, not mine. Uh, but speaking of which, despite its relative seeminess throughout, the big shell still feels like a cohesive place with enough variety throughout to sustain the gameplay. I just remember that feeling of being the lone infiltrator and how empowering it was, despite the limitations of the character's moveset. It was sufficiently epic, and it may be my favorite Metal Gear to date. A strong disagree on the big shell, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's a really, really bad location. Um, and, I, and I think the series can do very good locations. Like, I, I like the the senses of place in other entries in the series. Yeah. Um, big shell is not that for me they probably shot themselves in the foot by contrasting the big shell with the tanker which is kind of a unanimous win and and with uh, shadow moses right so it, it contrasts with like things in the same game things in other games like it's it's made to invite you to contrast it with things yeah, yeah. and if the idea is it's supposed to be a, a shadow of, of shadow moses um it doesn't really support the theme to just kind of be less interesting right you know but uh, you know different strokes like dan did yeah, not yeah. think it was less you, interesting so you, you found something in it that we didn't you know for sure which yeah. is good yeah. yeah matthew writes via contact um saying uh metal gear solid 2 to my 14 year old mind was a moment that altered the way i thought about video games well this and majora's mask combined it was the first time that i had seen high school english literary techniques used in a video game as a basically functional adult i obviously realized that artistic artistic expression and depth is more complicated than just looking for patterns and shit but bear with me here. The game's most controversial element, the switch to Raiden, functions as a giant extended metaphor. Uh, the game is ultimately about the responsibility of transferring our ethics and our legacy to a new generation. I know this because Kojima tells us so in one of those 20-minute monologues mm-hmm. set to live-action B-roll. 
Uh, this theme is given a semi-functional gameplay expression through Raiden, uh, through his tutelage from Solid Snake, and through the almost rote repetition of the events of Metal Gear Solid uh, 2, uh, Metal Gear Solid 1, and this. Uh, sorry, Metal Gear 2, Metal Gear Solid, and this. There we go. Uh, the digital weirdness at the end didn't bother me. It got me to consider the possibility of not taking the game at face value. It's clunky, bad, junior high-level literary analysis. Um, and the execution for, from Kojima is spunk at best. The game is a self-satisfied attempt at, at simulated depth, rather than an attempt to earnestly express an artistic view. But video games are still a young art form. And I would like to think that this game uh, played some part in inspiring many of the wonderful indie developers uh, that we see now who are truly beginning to find their artistic voice in gaming. It's not the best Metal Gear, but it is entirely possible that it is the one that had the biggest impact. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, you know, well said. I, I think I give, like, we talked about this. I give this, I give him a little less slack for being a young medium. Yeah. You yeah. know, give as somebody who, like, explicitly borrows so many, so much from cinema. Mm -hmm. um, you know, why wouldn't you borrow the things that work from it? Um, <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> just borrow the, the parts that don't. Yeah. Um, but, like, it is, you know, that is, that is true. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the digital weirdness and the idea that, like, you can kind of capitalize on that in ways that are ultimately, uh, you know, more effective than this, but this is still pretty effective for the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, in more experimental spaces is definitely true. This can be a prototypical form of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, it's funny because people are talking about, you know, some of these elements like the Raiden switch or, you know, about the kind of switch to more avant-garde or meta kind of stuff as though that, like, the, the, those are the primary or chief criticisms of it. You know, obviously, this, these aren't people who have been privy, or, privy to our conversations, but I wonder how surprising it'll be that, like, that is some of the stuff that, like, got the most praise from us. Yeah. Well, you I know? think they're, they're coming out from a perspective that, like, you know, games kind of discourse when the game came out. Yeah, yeah. Those were definitely the things people complained about. Yeah. Yeah, the most. Like, um, you know, it is only it's it's very strange to think of a time in which like a 45 minute cutscene wouldn't bother me. <laughs> I just I have evidence that it's there, <laughs> right. you know, but it's it, I can't relate to that mindset now. Right. You know, and like didn't you know, I, I looked at reviews of this that came out when it did. And some of them do mention that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like those those aspects that are the kind of clunkier aspects, but not as many as I would think. Right. You know, so. Um, you know, but a lot of them do mention that the ride and switch, they do mention that kind of meta shit, mm -hmm. you know? So like, I think that was just kind of the, the zeitgeist. Right. Um, Riley says via contact often when people revisit games from their childhood, they end up liking them a lot less for me. Metal Gear Solid two is the exact opposite. It's a game. I wasn't too hot on as a kid, which today I have a great fondness for. I love the two antagonists, the Patriots AI and Solidus. I also like the strange magical realism of the game where you'll get uh, in-depth discussions about nuclear proliferation and how the control of information shapes society right next to the vampire and Russian cowboy who's possessed by the arm of your evil twin brother, like Homer when he got the hair transplant uh, from Snake. Uh, weirdly enough. <laughs> a different snake. Yeah, different snake, but that's a weird little uh, tie there. Yeah. Um, the story in Metal Gear may be absurd, but nevertheless, I can't help being drawn in and genuinely grow to care about some of those central characters. All that said, while I like Kojima story, Kojima's stories, possibly more than I should. I wish he had someone to slap his hands away from the keyboard when he was doing something stupid. <laughs> the, the man needs an editor. Uh, some of what he comes up with is too ridiculous even for me and complaints about codex calls, cutscenes, and exposition dragging on are entirely accurate. And Dead Cell are nowhere near as memorable as the Foxhound unit, no matter how much I like Yell Dead. Um, Yell Dead Cell. Mm. Um, 
while I like the gameplay and it makes some significant improvements over MGS1, it was uh, clear replaying the game that the top-down camera perspective was showing problems long before Snake Eater. Anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing you cover this for the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's been uh, it's been fun to revisit this. Um, you know, every let's say three to four years since it came out. Um, now that 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 feels about right. Two, three, four uh, for me personally. Um, and watching as like the story, you know, some of the story or the points have gotten better and more relevant. We made you know a, you know we made a point of talking about that in uh, in in part two. You know about the whole uh, fake news thing or whatever. Um, that part I think is you know something that is kind of hard to take away from the game that there are mm-hmm. good nuggets of ideas there that actually have become if not more relevant their relevance has changed you know as time as time and context have gone forward for sure yeah like that the, the whole kind of like fake news part of it, i don't even remember being a thing you know even considering that before like 2015 2016 so it is super cool to see that kind of uh be a resonant you know universal kind of truth yeah you know and but like like the second part like I wish that that you know I wanted more focus on that. I love you know, I wanted. I love yeah. the idea of like hiring a hyper aggressive editor who will like inflict corporal punishment on you. You know that that would work, or you just need like the Raymond Carvin Carver editor who just like literally takes this and then just cuts it down, <laughs> turns it into a new thing. Yeah, yeah, we just get the good stuff because he's taken away. Right. You know he fixed it. Um, you know. Yeah. You know, fix this shit. Um, <laughs> Ian says via contact. My first time through Metal Gear Solid 2 was completed in one long session. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. <laughs> um, roughly I, 14 hours of tactical espionage action. Espionage. Why can't I say that today? Espionage action. Um, mainlined over the course of a lazy Saturday in high school. I know that this style of play may be impossible for some people, but whenever I recommend that someone give this game a chance, I have to insist they at least attempt it all in one go because I believe it makes the pacing really shine uh, as it pretty much lines up with real time. <laughs> That's not what pacing means. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be, um, uh, you start the game in the big shell in the uh, the early part of the day, and then by the time you're running around, okay, now I see what you mean. Sorry, yes. Ian. Uh, by the time you're running around naked and seeing the code of the game breaking through Arsenal Gear's depths, it's almost two in the morning, and you're just as haggard and disoriented as Raiden. Gotta admit that Skull Colonel gave me the spooks when he showed up in the codec. I actually played the first three games this way, and I think they work really well in one big chunk of game. Guns of the Patriots and the Phantom Pain are obviously too long for this treatment, and while I love both of those games, it's probably why I'll never go back through them again. Hmm. Um, so you say that Guns of the Patriots is too long for that. Uh, oh, contraire, mon frere, because I played four the way that you played two. Wow. Yeah. No, I didn't have a PS3 at the time because I couldn't afford it. It was I was back... It was like between my sophomore and junior year, I was back home in Mansfield uh, working a job, you know, trying to save up money to like cover my expenses uh, for the upcoming school year. Um, and I rented a PlayStation 3 um, and uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, and I only had it for like three total days. So I'm like, saddle up, buddy. Uh, we're going to mm. go through this. So like, I think that I played, you know, that like 18 hour game over the course of like three or four sittings. It was it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can. I when I was replaying this, um, I ended up doing the end of it in a marathon because I wanted to get it done. But right. when I was playing it early on, I didn't have that sense of like just end it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do about an hour and a half, and then I get annoyed. Yeah, that's my stamina so, nowadays for games. Anyway, I need to play an hour yeah. and a half to two hour bursts. Yeah, 
it's just like to me this you know i guess like the the long and non-interactive segments do work in its favor like because you're getting kind of built-in breaks yeah if you're going to play like this but like i don't know man like it, it would just to me it would be um you know it would be very hard for me not to get bored yeah i guess yeah, you know. um, it helps that Metal Gear Solid 4 lets you pause in the middle of cutscenes. Yeah, that uh, would make a big difference. I was, because, I was like, kind of astonished yeah. that the HD version didn't give you that ability. Because Kojima doesn't want you to. Like, you have to experience <laughs> his vision the way he says to. Yeah. It's very prescriptive. Like, you can't break and go eat dinner. Yeah, no, it's like you have to, you have to, you know, his vision is very important, Cole. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gordon writes via contact saying, I experienced MGS2 through watching my flatmate play it, which in retrospect was probably the best way to experience it. My standout memory comes from the very first enemy in the game. So flatmate A was a little too taken with the simulation aspect of the game and had explained to flatmate B uh, that it was an accurate representation of what would really of what it would really be like to sneak onto a U.S. military character uh, carrier. Flatmate B, who combined a heady mix of hubris and incompetence, decided to take that as a challenge and sit down and play the game. With a confident smirk on his face, uh, <laughs> he makes his way to his first enemy, uh, the one who faces out to the sea as a tutorial for using your trank gun. He whips out the gun, moving to first-person view, and then utterly fails to aim. Each small mistake uh, he made while trying to line up the sights led to a massive overcorrection. Refusing to accept slowing down or rethinking his approach, he settled into this bizarre pattern of aim, uh, this, this bizarre pattern of aim, rotating around the shoulder in a wide circle, occasionally firing off a shot into the ocean. Uh, this continues for a solid minute until the soldier finally turned around and shot him. The mental image of this elite agent just rotating his gun around, desperately trying to shoot uh, to shoot some guy who was completely unaware of him was so funny, we fell to the floor laughing while Flatmate B storms off uh, to Otacon yelling, SNAKE! From then on, putting our hands together <laughs> into a pistol shape and rotating them around wildly was our greeting for Flatmate B. <laughs> that's that, very funny. That's important for roommates and friends. Never let them live anything down. I oh, think yeah. that, that, that's a key part of the relationship. Yeah, that, that's that's a very significant part of it. at the very least. It feels like a male friendship. Thing. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, um, I thought this was going to say when like he told him as an ultimate simulation and his friend was like, we'll see about that. And he's going to go break into a tanker. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> not like it's going to happen. He, he used MGS2 um, as a practice run. I love that this idea, the idea of that being like a, a simulation, though, and like that being similar to graphics, how um, our idea of simulations will continually be that's something that will always be outmoded hmm. you know like we, we're always like oh this is an absolute simulation but then you put enough distance between us like the the flaws are going to show like we're always going to run into that kind of uncanny valley with things so you can say like this is a, uh, a simulation of how this would work but in 10 15 years we'll get closer to reality and it will seem you know like pretty good for the time but not close to reality right you know like no part of this seems close to reality to me <laughs> but maybe at the time it did the same way like you know, at the time I would show people, you know, summons from Final Fantasy seven and be like, it's what it's like watching a cool movie. Oh, of course. You know, it's like watching yeah. a cartoon, you know, yeah. and they look like garbage. <laughs> you know? Remember we first got our Sega Saturn and we got like Madden 96 or something. And my stepdad would watch the opening over and over again, like the, mm -hmm. like the opening CGI cuts in like, oh, my God, it's like actual football on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, it's like nothing like that. Yeah. Well, I watched you know, it's, it, too. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I fall for it. And same thing, it happens most obviously, like I said, with graphics, but uh -huh. I think it happens with a lot of different aspects of games. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, it's um, weird. Like time com- time compresses some things, but it magnifies others. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, Davide says bad contact. So like Metal Gear Solid Two, a game with a postmodern take on new media and the human fear and uncomfortableness with the overload of information they carry daily. In retrospect, that would seem like the best possible fit uh, for a game for Hideo. Every day I'm going to add a Wikipedia entry to the, that I like to that game, Kojima. But like, turns out that his unique approach to storytelling is too much, uh, even for themes that seem tailor cut for him. As a kid, I like this game a bunch because let's face it, it plays very well and has a pretty has pretty good level design for them for most of it. But trying to make heads or tails of it as an adult is a unique experience. While the absurdity of the more direct plot can fit in with the general theme of technological disorientation, and so does the randomness of the codec calls. The game still doesn't completely click. Partially, it's the Bioshock problem, where a lot of the game is about interesting themes, but the bulk of it is still spent shooting dudes or hiding from dudes. Yawn. But really, like most Metal Gear games, the problem with is, for me is how bloated it is. The amount of details, Easter eggs, and subjects it's concerned with, and tones and just things that are in the game, make the game feel like a big formless blob of kind of neat stuff that goes nowhere. And again, this is technically supposed to be a game about bloat, but it lacks the structure uh, to that bloat, and it does not feel like a carefully designed bloat. Uh, there is a difference in a game that makes you feel uncomfortable, uh, makes you feel the uncomfortableness of bloat, and a game that is just bloat. <laughs> At least no one is drinking for uh, drinking from their skin there, though. Uh, referencing Old Quiet. Oh yeah, um, yeah. and <laughs> bloat has lost all meaning to me now. It has been repeated sometimes. <laughs> the uh, yeah. this, I mean, this is a good point though. Like, this oh is, yeah, it, it definitely yeah. does. Blah, from point yeah. to point. And and the idea being that you can say it's a different discussion when you can say like, oh, the point of it is that it's a game about bloat. Then the discussion becomes how well do they express that point? Right, right. And just presenting bloat is not an, enough to make that a well-presented yeah. point. Yeah, like you can't present a point and say it's a commentary on the point. Yes, yeah. yeah. And that that's comes up on, like, it's a very common, like, as much as I love Bioshock, um, that's a very common critique of Bioshock where it's mm-hmm. like Bioshock just kind of presents objectivism but doesn't really say anything meaningful about it. Yeah. You can't. And I, I mean, I think the, like what, I mean, it, it, the thing it says about it and it's just, it, you know, it's arguable how meaningful or nuance is just like, Oh, it'd be a horror show. Yeah. You know, it is a dystopia, but the actual reading is actually a little bit more shallow than it initially seems. It's just kind of playing with big ideas. Yeah. You know, have you stopped to consider that maybe acknowledging the vortex is itself part of the vortex? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Exactly. Um, Stephen writes, I was, I wasn't saying that to you. I was, I was just, no, no, I was no, quoting no. Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I knew it was, I, I couldn't remember where it was from. I knew it was a quote. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're kind of saying it in the, uh, the voice of, uh, what's his head? Um, oh, head. Martin Starr. Oh, it sounded like Martin Starr. Star, oh so yeah. Could... Yeah. As I said, it the pretty flat effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen writes via contact. And this is our last one here. Thank you so much for everybody for writing in. We got so Absolutely. much. Um, saying, uh, when I think back on Metal Gear Solid 2, I remember things like the tension and mystery of Snake sneaking through the tanker, Raiden being manipulated during the big shell mission, and all of it building up to the fourth wall-breaking cyberpunk final act. I like how ominous and disturbingly vague the antagonists are. Uh, there's an apocalyptic tone to Metal Gear's more future-oriented settings that I enjoy, uh, as if you're participating in the events directly preceding a, civiliza- a civilization-ending collapse. As cheesy as Metal Gear Solid 2 is, there's also a lot of meat to it. The combination of operatic military heroism and postmodern, <laughs> postmodernism-tinged philosophic dabbling uh, is uneven and weird, uh, but most of it sort of works. 
Uh, but when I actually replay Metal Gear Solid 2, I'm faced with a long list of stuff that I've glossed over in my memory. Ocelot being possessed by Liquid's arm, <laughs> Liquid's arm genes at plot convenient moments. Everything to do with Fortune, who really is magical after all. The rollerblading bomb guy that drinks cocktails. The grossly immature, eye-rolling women, am I right? Uh, treatment of Rose's character and all of her interactions with Raiden. Um, there's a vampire for some reason. I also often forget entirely about the third Les Enfants Terribles clone, uh, ex-president of the United States. Huh? Uh, George Sears, also known as Solidus Snake, because otherwise he'd be stuck with Gas Snake. <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's I've good. thought about Gaseous Snake a lot. Yeah, I've thought about Plasma like why Snake. A, yeah. yeah, Plasma Snake's way cooler than Gaseous Snake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he wears a Dr. Octopus outfit. Also, you can use the laser mic to listen to a guy take a big watery dump. Bravo, Kojima. <laughs> I, did, I didn't find that part. Is Johnny Sasaki here? I think he. I think there is a reference to him Blech. in the uh, the bathroom section where you uh, next to uh, Stillman. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, most Metal Gear games are like this in the story department, but coming off of the comparatively restrained Metal Gear, uh, sorry, Metal Gear Solid, holy crap, was this a strange roller coaster ride to remember, or at least sort of remember? Yeah, it's real weird the way that like um, part of like the thesis of this show or whatever is is going back to these things and. It's amazing how just the good stuff floats to the top a lot oh, of the time. Yeah, yeah, You know, for games like that, that happens all the time, mm-hmm. like on the show. And it, it's, you know, but those other things that you, you know, you forget about are still part of the game and are worth talking about. And it's one of the things I like about doing this show. Yeah. Cream and Bastards you know? Rise. Yeah, totally. Like, it's going to be like mild spoilers for next episode. Like, I still love Final Fantasy IV. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things I don't love about it that I totally forgot about. Yep. Just because they didn't, they didn't work and they didn't show up in my memory, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm just like, Oh, it's just, this part happens and this part happens. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much game in between those cool things that happen that like, <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. No, um, it doesn't matter how many times I've played Final Fantasy four. There are still those parts that are kind of like, eh. Yeah. 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 And they, they just, they, they don't rise to the top. They're just there when they're fresh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I don't think that gets in the way of affection. You no, know? <laughs> like, no, it's, it's like you, you can, you can recognize those things, you know, but it does, it's very hard for me to go back after we play something for the show. Mm-hmm. And if it has those parts, it's hard for me to want to revisit it. Yeah. Right. Like we've done, like when we've done games that I feel like are like masterpiece class shit, mm-hmm. like I have wanted to revisit it. Like right. I, I'm always in a perpetual state of wanting to replay Final Fantasy Tactics. Right. Like there's, there's never, you know, someone says those words. I'm like, oh yeah, Final Fantasy Tactics shit. Yeah. But other things that we've played where like, you know, I really loved as a kid and kind of gone back to it and found out have kind of feet of clay. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just like, well, you know, I kind of got my last word on that. You know, this yeah, was the yeah. deep, super deep play and discussion I needed to totally like scratch that off my list forever. It's really weird because we forget the shit that we say all the time. Yeah. Right. Like any of the specifics are there, but like that kind of gestalt opinion, like everything, you know, that once was held in kind of, you know, suspension, you know, like or held in solution, you know, like we, like we alluded to earlier, something causes those to be opened up in pins. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the the active dissection actually does fix that in a weird way that like you wouldn't guess based on the fact that everything leaves our minds once we have gotten our last word in, you know? Yeah, it, it's a really I mean, I've talked about this before, but it's one of my favorite things about doing the show other than just like all the normal things that are good about it. That's yeah. fun and such is just that like it does cross things off my list. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like, oh, that's the ultimate. It does like shake loose that problem of having that kind of vagary. Mm-hmm. you know even if i don't remember it, it's like oh like i've done that like that's that's done right 
you know, and if I'm going to replay it, like I'm no longer relying on unreliable memories. Even if I don't remember the specifics, I remember the emotional kind of like feeling I had. Yeah, because you know, at least the estimation. Well, I mean, it's it's like how teaching is the best way to learn. <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> by by, yeah. by internalizing it and then externalizing it through the uh, through through the lens of, you know, conversation, you know, we, we actually have like made it made it a part of a broader analysis. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's been it's been very fun. Yeah. For that. Um, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. If you have things to say about Final Fantasy four. Final Fantasy IV, The After Years, or Final Fantasy IV, The Interlude. Um, <laughs> hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact. I want to yeah. see a lot of interlude boys <laughs> and all you interlude fanboys, all you looters. Um, <laughs> I want to see you guys come out in force. Yeah. Force with a lewd. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, by this time, I'm sure that the uh, the Batman poll has opened, maybe even closed. Who knows? We haven't scheduled it. We are still trying to figure this out. But uh, the month of September is Bat Month, where, where we are talking about the, uh, the NES uh, Sunsoft Batman game and also either um, Batman Arkham Asylum, uh, City, or Origins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we love to hear from you, yes. and we're looking forward to covering covering that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have very cool things after that as well. Yes, October is awesome. Yep, uh, November is awesome. December, uh, I'm crazy awesome. excited about it, and like I need to start working on it now. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is all like uh, the rest of the year is dialed and cool, and we have awesome things for uh, next year as well, kind of yeah. like vaguely planned. So it's uh, it's gonna be very positive. This is all part of a Patreon relaunch. Um, a couple things that come with that. One, um, if you haven't checked it out, please check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Mm-hmm. Vote in that bat poll. Support your boys. Um, get some cool things. Uh, the other thing is, uh, since we are kind of doing this re-emphasis um, on the show, uh, this is a great time for ratings and reviews, telling your friends, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Uh, during this uh, WAF rebirth, afterbirth mm-hmm. section. Yeah. WAF, WAF, WAF afterbirth. Ooh. That's gross. Um, I'll take it. Yeah, your, your, your um, boy did that. Like, yes. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, it's, it's uh, it's it's that weird uh, that weird conundrum though mm-hmm. with my boy with uh Edmund McMillan where it's like, no, you're you're pretty gross. Like this is this is gross <laughs> and bad. But like, why do you make games where the wireframe is so perfect? Yeah. Um. Um. And this episode is coming out uh the weekend before or or the like like a day before Jollade uh where we uh, yes. are. Uh, where where our community is streaming in order to uh, raise some money for a GoFundMe for uh, Duckfeed host and friend uh, Jala Prendes, who has recently undergone some uh, some medical hardship. And if you want to watch some cool uh, streaming and uh, contribute some money to help um, help her cover that, uh, you can go to Duckfeed.tv and check out a banner there. Yes, yeah, and we love it if you're able to help out. Yes, and if you can't help out uh, monetarily, please spread the word retweets and the like and rebroadcast and all that jazz will be appreciated that weekend. Yes. Um, I think that's about, about it. Um, no deleted scenes. We had to get right into it. Yep. Um, it's been a very was, long <laughs> recording session. <laughs> yeah. Cause we're at five hours and 12 minutes uh-huh. and the, um, which is a long time friends, uh-huh. um, to be sitting in one spot. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. So, uh, thank you guys very much and we will see you next week. Doing awesome.